minute a lad had asked me for a ticket, he'd go into the book. He could have 50, 60, 70 requests. They would look the man be then and we kind of went through the list of who served the most. There could be a lot of lads texting. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock. Rory McIlroy tied for the lead on the opening day of the US Open. We will keep a very close on that throughout the evening. Uh, Nathan Collins, well, he's had quite the international break, a superstar in the making. So we have got his father, uh, Dave, coming up on the football show tonight was a fine footballer in his own right spent time at Liverpool as a youngster and comes from a real proud footballing family so we're going to chat to Dave about his career and also about the making of uh, Nathan Collins and maybe a little hint as to what happens next so that coming up on the football show John Giles as always at half past seven putting a wrap on the international break and after eight o'clock we'll have James O'Connor and Sarah O'Donovan looking ahead to the weekend's All-Ireland hurling quarterfinals 53106 is the text number add off the ball on social media it's a beautiful sunny evening out in Dublin up it's cracking wherever you are Joe Malloy on the north side is it alright it is just fine Nathan oh. how you doing Richie McCormick Richie McCormick's a, a too hot kind of guy am I is it too hot Richie is it too hot I'm alright I'm alright with this like you bear in mind like I was away in what Turkey uh, up until a couple of weeks ago and was basking in 30 odd degree heat so I'm missing you're missing 10-15 degrees here that I need more you're comfortable yeah. in this uh, yeah, so it's uh, promised to be a cracking few days, uh, and we got the U.S. Open. We got to can't leave the house though, Joe. Can't leave the house. Just got to watch Rory McIlroy cruise on through now to his fifth major championship. What could possibly go wrong? He's looking good. He's looking very good. Hold a lot of tricky putts for par, which is in many respects just what the U.S. Open is about. They can't be avoided those putts, and they're often the kind of putts that make us a bit nervous if we're watching Rory and. Not so sure about his putting, but he made a lot of very, very big putts today and some fist pumps to match and uh, played a lot of good golf. And we've talked about it. He's coming into this tournament uh, playing probably as consistent uh, golf over the course of several months as he has in a very, very long time and has had a lot of top tens and had his Sunday at the Masters and started off the PGA very well and fell away a touch. and. You know, that was often his issue. Could he get off to a reasonable start? Could he get himself into a tournament? Well, he more than has. Had the best of the conditions this morning, akin to the PGA last time out, gotten the favourable side of the draw then. So similar story this morning. Shane Larry's uh, just gone out and maybe the slightly windier stuff. But um, it's what we always say with McElroy, isn't it? Just stay in it on the first day. And he looked good. Long way to go. Yeah, his Thursday wobbles are most certainly gone. He led after the first round of the PGA. Now he's tied for the lead in the first round of the US Open. We just don't want there to be... There was a Friday thing for a while, wasn't there? And then there was a final round thing. Like, is, is the Saturday thing coming? But I think there's such goodwill towards him at the moment because of what's going on in the world of golf and the split between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. And you know, it feels that Rory has... Uh, he's on the right side of history right now. Well, and the commentators will let you know all about that. I mean, if you're indulging in a drinking game of sorts, you can certainly do something along the lines of every time they mention that Rory, you know, has been such a 
a great ambassador for the game and uh, one of the good guys, uh, Nathan. So they're they're making a, they're a point of, of saying that at every turn. I don't know what they'll say when Mickelson's playing. I mean, do they play like the Darth Vader? <coughs> I don't know what the... Uh, Phil just teed off and apparently there weren't too many boos or anything. It was... Uh... He won't get... He won't get booed. He won't get booed. He, look, he's, a, he's, the, he's the people's champion. He's an all-man Is he still? No, is he no still? Chance. Really? Well, I mean, he's not, but, you know, he's not, he's not going to get booed. I don't, I don't think. I'd be amazed. Like, Boston fans have a reputation. Maybe, maybe some get boozed up. I suppose the thing about golf is it doesn't take huge numbers to create a bit of a circus. Certainly, Peter Laurie talking to us yesterday on the preview pod was ever so slightly concerned that Larry had been drawn with Mickelson and Westhazen, two of the live golf types. So he was slightly worried that it could turn into a bit of a bit of a circus you know and Larry could get sucked into that whole ether so uh, so far so good and it seems you know you wonder to what extent people are looking at the Mickelson thing and feeling man he's taking a lot of heat I mean maybe he's had enough maybe there's a degree of maybe we're at sympathy the backlash for Phil? the backlash yeah maybe there is a bit of sympathy to Phil who knows uh, watch along coming Sunday afternoon Richie I'm sure you'll be tuning in regardless of the weather uh, for all our Golf Weekly Patreons so get on to otbsports.com forward slash Golf Weekly uh, we're all in on Nathan Collins I think it's fair to say Richie yeah 100% all in he's, uh, he's the future of, of Irish defending he's the future of Irish football he's a total footballer he's, I think he'd probably fit into the Holland 74 side uh, quite spectacularly so fair enough you know we're all in we're all in and we got his dad on the show tonight uh, oh. We so the Collins family are very well known in Irish football circles as dad Dave was at Liverpool as a 16, 17 year old around sort of 87, 88 at a time when Liverpool had that great team uh, didn't quite make it at Liverpool never played for the senior team uh, was there for three, four years went off played in the uh, lower divisions across England came back to the League of Ireland uh, Nathan's uncle Eamon would be very well known in League of Ireland circles from his time with Pats and with Brian Kerr and also again had a long period of time I think from a very young age playing top flight football in England and he's now his agent uh, so we're going to chat to Dave uh, just really interesting we recorded it earlier ended up spending about 40 minutes just talking about how you go from being that sort of 7, 8 year old highly motivated uh, brilliantly talented to actually fulfilling that and going and performing for your country and listen it's not every kid he was playing with his older brother who was four years older at Cherry Orchard and hanging around all the training sessions and very quickly started not to look that out of place among players four years older than him but just insanely motivated so his dad worked uh, worked in Dublin and they're from out in Leakslip but he was playing with Cherry Orchard and I think they'd get to Ballyfermot and you know sometimes dad be stuck at work or coming home late and he'd ring Nathan and say listen I, I'm probably going to be a little bit late Nathan wouldn't have that so he'd hop on the bus at sort of 9.10 and meet him halfway so he wouldn't be late for training or he'd just start walking if his dad wasn't ready and then would analyse everything when they were on their way home so when he started hooking up with the DDSL squads and his dad was managing the Cherry Orchard team of say under 12, under 13 questioning everything his dad was doing around coaching and comparing it to what they were doing with the DDSL team and listen, are we are we going about things the right way am I am I working on my technique properly am I playing enough off my left foot off my right foot uh, everything we heard I think uh, over the course of that half an hour 40 minutes Richie suggests this guy yeah believe the hype yeah that's what you want really in a in not just a footballer in a sports person who is elevated to that level pretty quickly uh going from uh you know stoke onto onto burnley for a massive fee we can't forget last year um took him a while for sean dyche to bet him into first team proceedings over there but what you want in a sports person uh like collins um is, is a head in the shoulders uh, once you have that and you're able to marry that with uh, no small degree of talent then you're setting a course that could provide 
provide big things for you in your career and all point all you know all indications are that Collins does have that in his locker to go further than than Burnley to to maybe progress to a, a top league uh, maybe in England maybe somewhere else but he's got a composure about him he's got pace he's got an ability to deal with defend or deal with attackers it it's all there um we should caveat that with you know he's still pretty young and there's still a lot of road to travel for him but for somebody of his age and somebody of his, uh, you know, stature in international football, for him to put in performances like he did over the course of the last two weeks as a, as a neophyte to, to international football is, is is quite incredible. Yeah, I'm sure some people will feel it's a, probably a little bit over the top, uh, spending half an hour talking to his dad about how, how he got to this level. But it was just so interesting, Joe, listening to that path. And it does seem as though a move is probably more likely than not at this stage it seems the momentum of the last couple of weeks may shift things now Vincent Company may have very different ideas uh, in Burnley and certainly his dad said that you know he's so focused he came back and was on the first flight back out of Ireland on Wednesday for a week and said listen don't be hassling me I don't want to hear anything about Burnley or what might happen I just need a week to switch off and his dad didn't even see the goal he, uh, he couldn't, couldn't go to the game because he wanted, whatever way the flights work, he wanted to be in Ireland when Nathan was home for the few hours uh, and just couldn't deal with the stress of watching the game. So went for a walk. Uh, the phone is buzzing. Knew something had happened. Wasn't quite sure was it good or bad. Was hoping it was good. And uh, when he gets home, uh, Nathan's mother is uh, very excited, uh, as you can imagine. So I uh, didn't get to see it live, but I'd say he's watched it a few times since. Amazing. So can't watch because of nerves. Mm. Yeah. God. God. Now he goes. He goes to as many games as he possibly can, but this one just didn't work out. But if he's not at the match and can't see absolutely everything that's happening, just can't do it. Uh, the fear is your phone is buzzing. Oh no! My God, he's been sent off, hasn't he? What's Two minutes he done? in, short back pass. What have you done? Yeah, the God, stress. that's amazing. That's great. Yeah, what he does next can be very uh, fascinating. Like there must be a temptation under Vincent Company to hang around for a year. Maybe that's not a bad person potentially to work under although if Premier League club comes looking then I guess yeah you go while the going's good mm. plenty of competition that back three what is the Irish back three come Euro 2024 when we're uh, storming through to the knockout stages I'm not sure you can write Shane Duffy off because again no, so much no. can happen in terms of the club game you would expect that Shane Duffy this summer will leave Brighton having come back in and fallen off the radar again so he will go to either another Premier League club or a good championship team and should you would hope re-emerge in September with 10 games under his belt and a bit of sharpness and a bit more comfortable of playing it out at the back everyone likes to think we'll have a Nathan Collins in the middle Daryl Shea on the left Andromeda Bomadeli on the right but it's never been that straightforward but the amount of options that are there like Daryl Lennon came in the last night and was rock solid and has been around the squad for a long time and in two years time look at how quickly these players have developed so. and excellent yellow card from Daryl Lennon the other weekend I mean not disgusted enough <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he waited, a, uh, waited a while for his opportunity and made sure he was going to leave his mark, Yeah, I think it's fair to say. No, I, sorry, I think Shane Duffy will be near impossible to dislodge. How do you, like, I mean, even just from set pieces alone and still a brilliant defender and it's in both boxes where he invariably seems to find himself getting ahead to the ball ahead of everybody else. Like, I, The question mark I is over on the Delhi for one. 
Hmm? Yeah, well, Sh- Shane Duffy would be like the the the. I, I, there's a decent case to say Nathan Collins plays in the centre. Like all going well, Nathan Collins plays in the centre, and Shane Duffy might be the one to drop out. But the big question mark for me is over Andrew Bamadelli because he's been out for this long with a with a back injury. He really needs a good preseason, a good start to the season. But, because if you yeah. don't get back in the starting eleven at Norwich yeah. uh, next season, back in the Championship, then he can be in for a mm. bit of a, a tough time. I know he's gotten the contract. I know he's gotten a bit of a, a boost in that regard. That there is security there from a Norwich and that he is wanted and they do see long-term things in him but yeah. a back injury is a strange thing and he's had a couple of injuries and he's still pretty I, young you just don't want them to rack up you know? no of course and can I just jump in here for a second and defend John Egan's honour does the man not deserve a mention <laughs> yeah there's a lot of options there so you know uh, there's always going to be injuries as well lads calm down calm down you're getting nearly as bad as the England pundits or Mayo heads well maybe that's where the connection is uh, just let the lad play football see how he gets on he's not the next Irish Pele relax the cacks beardy Dave I don't think well, we haven't tried him up us, front yet I don't think us talking about Nathan Collins is really going to affect uh, how his career goes over the next couple of years somehow uh, I think the fans following Phil are Saudi backed says Owen which will be a <laughs> twist if they are paying supporters to go in and cheer loudly for Phil I wouldn't put it past them. You wouldn't rule it out right now. Uh, Richie, bring us up to date then. What exactly is going on at Brookline? Yeah, Rory McIlroy has a share of the clubhouse lead following his opening round at the US Open. He shot a three under par 67 at Brookline today. It could have been even better if not for a wayward approach shot at his final hole, the ninth that led to a bogey. McIlroy shares the lead with England's Callum Tarran and the Swede David Lingmerth. Out on course at the moment, Shane Lowry is level par through his first two holes and Seamus Power has just bogey the third to drop back to one over par. Uh, Lowry playing alongside two live golf recruits in Phil Mick and Louis Oosthuizen. They've been allowed to play this week despite signing up to the Saudi-funded tour. But speaking ahead of this year's Open, USGA CEO Mike Juan says it will likely become more difficult for Live Golf Conscripts to play at the US Open in the future. Well, first off, I mean, I just answered the question is, could I foresee, you know, could I foresee a day? Yeah, I could foresee a day. Um, Do I know what that day looks like? I don't. I mean, to be honest with you, um, what we're talking about was different two years ago and it was different two months ago than it is today. So, um, you know, we've been doing this for 127 years. So I think the three of us and everybody else that we work with need to take a long term view of this and see kind of where these things go. So we're not, you know, it's not going to be a knee jerk reaction to kind of what we do. But I mean, the question was, could you envision a day where It'd be harder for you know for some folks doing different things to get into a U.S. Open. I could. Will that be true? I don't know, but I can definitely foresee that day. Yeah, somewhat sitting on the fence, but I think it's fair enough. Nobody does quite know how this is going to develop over the next year. Uh, so, U.S. Open will just bide their time. Uh, Richie, the FAI have made a really important appointment, and that Mark Canham confirmed as Rude Doctor's replacement. Yeah, a couple of uh, important appointments from the FBI today. But as you say, the Englishman Mark Canham is the new director of football with the association. The former Bournemouth midfielder has spent the last nine years working with the English Premier League, most recently as their director of coaching. Among Canham's new duties will be leading the review of all aspects of current FBI football systems, approaches and programmes and how a future football pyramid might look in the country. Meanwhile, the former Brighton Academy manager, John Morling, will take up a role of senior football consultant with the FBI. He has previous experience in charge of underage teams. Uh, with Ireland. Uh, Callum's name had been thrown around quite a bit over the last couple of months around this. Uh, it was when Jonathan Hill came out saying he felt it should be an Irish person running Irish football that a lot of people wondered what way it was going to develop but maybe having John Morling in there as the senior football consultant uh, just answers that question but isn't it, it's a big role, rude doctor uh, for good or bad, whatever way people want to look at it left and made a big impact on Irish football. Yeah, so it's interesting there Richie says that 
Canham's going to lead a review of all aspects of the current FAI football system and I guess that makes sense come in and let's have a review and let's see where we are and you know you can't really fault that I, like at all times I just have this nagging sense of wasted time we've wasted the last decade plus where virtually no money has been put into the Irish system and uh, the development of players again has just stagnated I mean it's amazing we have this generation coming through and in some ways when you think of the neglect which has gone on uh, so you hope two things you hope the review doesn't take forever and you hope it's concrete and ideally would be public, uh, published as well I think you know that, that might help in uh, stage two which has always been the difficult part which is getting everybody on board to make the recommended changes and that is where World War 3 tends to break out too often so Good luck to him. He will need to know his football and he'll need diplomatic skills. And I suspect Rude Doctor would have a thing or two to tell him about all that. Yeah. Uh, Leinster made a big signing, Richie. Yeah, Leinster head coach Leo Cullen says new signing Charlie Ngatai will add much needed experience to their squad. The 31-year-old former All Black joins from Leon. Ngatai won a solitary New Zealand cap back in 2015 against Samoa and he was capped by the Maori All Blacks on 12 different occasions. When I read that in your script, I was wondering... Was it in a sarcastic voice that he said will add much needed experience? Are, are Leinster not one of the most experienced squads around? I think well, he, they have had a spate of retirements and departures uh, over the course of the summer as well. Colin was alluding to there. Okay, so, so with Toner and Cronin with going. A bit of international, yeah, exactly. They want a bit of international experience going back in there into the, into the back line. All right, 53106, the text number if you want to get in touch. The World Power Swimming Championships continuing. Yeah, it's been a good week so far for Ireland. Three bronzes in the bag. Nicole Turner owns one of those and she races in her second final of the week in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. The Paul Harrington swimmer is drawn in lane two for the final of the women's 50-metre freestyle S6, having posted the fifth fastest time in the heats. That is in the pool just after half past seven. 13 minutes uh, exactly is when you can expect that one to go down. Barry McClements, meanwhile, had to contend himself with seventh place in this evening's final of the men's 400-metre freestyle S9. Uh, Talchin Cup semi-finals on this weekend. Uh, they're going to get Sunday afternoon to be centre stage. Uh, awfully involved in them. Their uh, local derby against Westmeath, but a uh, uh, really bad, bad injury blow for them ahead of the game. Yeah, desperate. The Softly football manager John Mohan says it's devastating to lose Noel Darby to a serious knee injury. The road man suffered a suspected cruciate ligament injury in training on Tuesday, days out from that Talton Cup semi-final with Westmeath. And Mohan told her own Will O'Callaghan that it's a cruel blow. I went home on to Castlebar on Tuesday night absolutely shattered uh, um, and distraught for Niall in particular but for the group that witnessed it because he's universally liked by all in the, within the group they see him as been an example a great example of what an inter-county footballer should be in so far his lifestyle his dedication and application not alone to, to the Offaly jersey but also to his club road he is the ultimate professional and to think that he won't have the opportunity to play here in Crow Park on Sunday is devastating and I, I, I just feel so sorry for him Sort of still on the fence on the Talchin Cup, Joe, as to how much of a success it has been. It it certainly seems from the players' point of view, people have bought into it. I guess this weekend will tell a lot in terms of crowd. It's a good local derby. Uh, There's been a good bit of publicity around it, and maybe it's the right level of publicity. It's never going to go head-to-head with an All-Ireland final. And if the players are happy, well, that's the main thing. Yeah, like I suppose the interesting question is, how do we judge it a success? Hmm. You know, is it based on TV viewing figures? Certainly not initially. I wouldn't think so. And and the player, I, I, for me, the most important marker was would the players in their respective counties stick around and invest their time in it or would they all head off to the States and have a great time and have an enjoyable summer and say, yeah, no, not that interested. And it does seem thankfully like they've invested in it and they've they've gone for it. So that's the first part of this thing 
becoming a success and and getting under the skin of the GEA season and becoming a part of the GEA season. Like, I dare say you didn't watch the Tommy Murphy Cup finals back in the day. Don't Don't ask me for my favourite moment from one, Joe. Uh, Don't do this to me. We should do a top five uh, Tommy Murphy uh, Cup moments. And to be fair, I didn't either and I don't know many people who did. Whereas I feel like the Talchin Cup has a much is getting off to a much better start than that and, and will build on it. So like phase, step one was always getting buy-in from the players and, and build it and they will come. And so hopefully the audience start to, you know, it just becomes a bit more part of the rhythm of the season. That's it. I haven't, you know, it, it's a busy time with hurling and football and there are lots of other sports on as well. So I can't confess to have watched uh, live Talchin Cup uh, thus far. And, and maybe that's the reality that, you know, who cares who cares about two club games often just two towns and there is sometimes with these lesser county matches it's it's big for those counties if not necessarily the neutral so it, it's probably still at that stage if we're being honest but that's okay John Mon should always be an inter-county manager for the ah. good of the country <laughs> just hearing his voice I feel at ease I know every time just I hear John Mon like, oh, yeah. just what positive man. good energy great man yeah 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 100% great for great for a quote by the way that that answer was one answer obviously just asking about um, and Nal Darby and how he's getting on it nearly topped out at two minutes of just John Mon in full flow probably in shorts uh, let's be honest oh. and just rolling yeah. best legs in the GEA Lee McKellar be close up there it's a, Mayo, it's a Mayo-centric award though really isn't it, it? Well, I, I don't know what it is I was going to wear shorts I, I instantly uh, as I got on the bus into town regretted not wearing shorts but uh, maybe on now, baby. and, and show now. the office that you know it's not just Mon and Mikhail Murphy can get up there as well when it's <laughs> you know the best legs competition dear oh dear dear oh dear oh dear Nero. Uh, absolutely uh, uh, people in uh, South Dublin are very upset with the weather currently that it's cloudy and Med Aaron are lying to them and I think we're getting accusations of a conspiracy uh, once again around Med Aaron so listen it's typical Dublin media bias uh, on the side of the weather yeah. uh, so Tottenham are having a, a, an interesting transfer window again it, it, it was sort of uh, unspoken and unseen because of all the moaning out of Antonio Conte in January about what he didn't get that they made yeah. two brilliant signings uh, from Juventus in uh, Bentecourt and Kulaveski who Kulisevsky, who were outstanding in the second half of the season, and it looks as though they're following up in that. Yeah, they're packing their midfield, all right. Eve Basuma has completed a medical at Spurs ahead of a 29 million euro move from Brighton. The Mali midfielder will be their third signing of the summer following the arrivals of both Ivan Perisic and Fraser Forster. One note to this Basuma arrested in October of last year in connection with an alleged case of sexual assault, and that right. case still remains open. Um, they're getting in early it's uh, very on Tottenham like Joe there mightn't be much for Antonio Conte to complain about and maybe they know that if Antonio Conte is not happy in mid-July he won't have any issues with just jumping ship then so uh, Perisic coming in Fraser Foster will obviously be back up Bazuma gives them something different in midfield which has always been their problem area over the last four or five years really since Moussa Dembele left the club it's been an area they've struggled and you know Bazuma Hoiberg Bentecourt they've got quite a few options there yeah I don't know anything about that case. I have to say that's news to me. So um, that notwithstanding, which is and it's uh, not inconsiderable either. Yeah, he's um, he's turned out to be a good manager, Conte. Who knew? I mean, as uh, Old Trafford continued to burn because they uh, looked at him and said, "No, he's not for Football us." Too he's negative. Too negative right. for Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like record number of points and goals when he won the league with Chelsea, but far too negative. Uh, for us he has it's been very impressive he arrived in I think uh, quite a few of his his interviews where he was uh, bemoaning the squad but not really bemoaning the squad just being being real about the squad I I think they were uh, 
you know, you know, kind of sensationalize a touch into, oh, he's going to leave at any moment. You know, this thing's not going to work. And, you know, you did, you did worry about Conte, who's so highly strung, and Daniel Levy. But based on how things have turned out, they obviously did give each other assurances. One, I'll stay, but two, you'll give me money to spend. And eventually they've, they've got there. Like, there was something surgically precise about the signings mid-season, the way they both worked out so brilliantly. And then, you know, Perisic, what a brilliant signing that is. And, and again, like, Conte's work with them. They know each other. And then Forster is uh, in on a free, nice backup to have. So, look, it, it, it does look good there. It really does. And, um, yeah, I... I, I still will never know how Manchester United overlooked him, but for, for Spurs, if they can get two, three years out of Conte, you feel like they'll go places. A couple of other bits of transfer news. Yeah, Arsenal have agreed a €35 million euro fee with Porto for attacking midfielder Fabio Vieira, the Portugal under-21 captain, will sign a five-year deal at the Emirates after completing a medical tomorrow. Uh, there's another medical due tomorrow. That's at Anfield, where Liverpool have agreed a £6.5 million deal for Aberdeen right-back Calvin Ramsey. The 18-year-old will move to Anfield after a breakthrough season in the Scottish Premiership. He's their third signing of the summer after those of Darwin Nunez and Fabio Carvalho. Jurgen Klopp's side, meanwhile, will begin the next Premier League season away to Carvalho's former side Fulham Manchester City start the defence of their title at West Ham Eric Ten Hag's 10 years Manchester United boss will begin at home to Brighton and Crystal Palace and Arsenal have the honour of commencing the new season on Friday August the 5th alright not too not too far away what six weeks seven weeks of a break between the now and the Premier League returning. Uh, why are we so obsessed with coverage and neutrals watching games? The success of the Talchin Cup is a good competition for the sides involved who are rightly been given a chance to compete at their level and win a championship. Why do I need to watch Cavan against Sligo for that to be a success? Which I think is what we're saying. I, th- I think at some stage maybe the players want... There needs to be a, the right level of interest that, you know, it, it's being noticed. It's been given television coverage. that people within their county are talking about it and there's still a debate on a Thursday, Friday, who should be in the team, who shouldn't be in the team. Whereas I think with the Tommy Murphy Cup, literally nobody cared. Yeah, and to be fair, I, I was making that point that it doesn't... It's, I, I wouldn't judge it in the early years about... Uh, viewing figures it's, it's about investment it's like are they taking it seriously as a starting point and then is the is the local community interested in it and, and exercised by it and going along to support their county and I think if you have that and you have big occasions for players who don't otherwise get big occasions then like, that's absolutely a success like the GEA should be there to serve the players and serve as many of the intercounty players as possible so if now suddenly a huge cohort maybe half of the uh, county teams around the country have this competition that gives them, like what's it all about at the end of the day, especially when it's an amateur organization where they don't have to pay the players and generate a profit. It's about like how many nights in our lives we can all come together as a community organization and enjoy ourselves. And it's about our recreation and our escape as Joe Bradley always kind of says. And so if suddenly all of these players have 15 more nights, summer nights are across their career where they remember a packed local stadium and, and everybody there to support them and a big win or a tough loss then that's a big success absolutely Joe great stuff as always alright fella Richie enjoy the weekend enjoy the golf lads uh, news round brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day time for the cash machine